Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Last week we looked at the important relationship between husbands and wives, and this morning we'll be looking at a continuation of sorts of that in terms of children and parents, as well as our occupational relationships. I'll be reading Ephesians 6, 1 through 9 this morning, if you'd follow along. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, we've been spending the last couple months looking at the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. And as we have looked at it, we begin with the focus on the first three chapters, doctrinal, about who we are in Christ, what he has done for that for us, and what his intention is um, going forth into a new dispensation, a new time of stewardship, what we call the, the church age, or what I like to refer to as the age of the Gentiles. It's really what Jesus refers to it as in the book of Luke. It's the age of the Gentiles, um, where the gospel is going to open up to the Gentiles. The nations of the Gentiles were going to be here and stuff like that. But what we saw is that in Christ, we are blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, pardoned, informed, promised, an inheritance, sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are made alive. We were dead in a, in, a, in a different physis, a different nature. We were children of wrath, but God in his great love chose to give us a new nature, his nature. And as we've seen in the, um, Peter's epistle, that we are given the nature of God. We are allowed to become partakers of God's nature. It's just an amazing thing. So in that, though, we were spiritually dead. Now we're made alive. We were once afar off. We've been made joint heirs with, um, with Israel. And so based upon all that, Paul then challenges us to walk worthy of that calling. So those are all great stuff. But so what? If you don't live it out. Those are all wonderful promises. But are meaningless. If they don't have a change in your life. So we're told to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. The first place that we're told then is in the church. 
that as a church, if we as a church are seeking to walk worthy of the calling with which we are called, then we're going to be desiring to be unified. We're going to be desiring to be one as he is one within the assembly. We're going to be desiring to work each person's synergy that we're going to understand that the process requires every single one of us to do our part within the assembly. Again, if God has called you to be a part of this assembly then God has a purpose for you to be in this assembly. And it's not just to warm the chairs. Okay? That he has called you to come in and to be your part. Okay? That the part of the leaders is to equip the church into the ministry endeavors, into mutual edification, into mature doctrine. But that, that, that growing aspect is going to be by every single one of us doing our part within the assembly. Okay? So, so we do that, and then we went into a new way of thinking, so not just in the church, but also in the world. And so that we used to be Gentiles, and we used to think like the Gentiles, and the way of the Gentiles, their, their thinking was futile. It was meaningless. It, 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 it um, accomplished nothing, right? They had an empty, foolish mind. They were only thinking lasciviousness and uncleanness all the time. But now in Christ, if we were dead and were made alive... Now we should no longer think like the Gentiles, but we should be thinking like Christ. So we should put on, put off the old mindset, put on the new mindset, and we should be seeking then to live in a way of a transformed life, a sanctified life, is the next part that we looked at, a sanctified life, where the world realizes there's something different about us. You used to steal, no longer are you stealing, but now you're what? Working with your hands in order that you may have in order to give to other people. You used to be a taker, but now you're a giver. You used to speak lies, but now you're speaking the truth. You used to be in awful wrath and, and unforgiving, but now you are a forgiving individual. You put on a new man because it was created according to God in true righteousness and true holiness. You've become whether you realize it or not, if you are in Christ and that change has been going on in you, because it's he who began the good work who's continuing the work in you, right? It's he who's placing in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. You're not doing it on your own. You're merely responding to the work that he's, he's accomplishing in you and through you. And if it's not happening in your life, if you've been, quote-unquote, saved for years and there hasn't been a change, you need to ask yourself whether you've been saved for years. Okay, but just straight. And so, because if he's working in you, he's accomplishing the work. And now, as the children of God, you become imitators of God. That ought to become a desire of your heart. To be like the one who loved you so much. Walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. And so we talked about what does that wisdom look like? It means redeeming the time. It means understanding God's will. And it means submitting to one another, if you would, in the fear of God. Finishing that out. Okay? That if we're walking in the wisdom of God, those things are going to become evident to us. Now, based upon that, he then slides into three areas, um, relationships, that we have in life. And so, again, for the guys, this is when we went to California. California, not California. Canada much different. And uh, I camped on this because for guys, this is it. This, this talks about the three areas that we spend the most time in. 
our relationships with our spouse, our relationship with our kids, and our relationships at work. I joke a lot about juggling my hats. I'm a pastor, so I got to take care, minister to people. But I'm also a what? A husband. And so I got another hat. And, I, and so it's easy to say, well, she's just a member. No, she's not just a member of the church. She's my wife. But I also had seven kids. I have one still at home, right? And so I got another hat that I have to juggle. And now all of a sudden I'm a what? Say again? No, no, father, right. But I'm also a grandfather now. And now I got, I'm starting to have more grandkids than I had kids. And so now I got to juggle a little bit on that one too. We have these roles. We have these relationships that we have. And God wants us to walk worthy of the calling with which we are called in each one of these relationships. If I understand the, 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 the phenomenal spiritual blessings that he's given to me and what he's done for me, how he's made me alive when I was dead, how when I was a child of wrath, he made me his child, that stuff should, should be evident in my relationships. And so last week we talked about our marital relationships, the illustrative importance of it. We represent, husbands and wives, we represent Christ and the church to this world. Or what it ought to look like. Guys, you ought to be the picture of Jesus in how you treat your wife. How you treat your wife is what you're communicating to the world and what you think, how you believe Jesus treats the church. Dramatic pause. I got to think this one through. But the other side is what? Wives. You represent what the church ought to look like in its submission to Christ. See, for the guys, it's pretty concrete, right? You don't have to think about, well, I wonder how Jesus should be treating the church. It's a matter of what? How Jesus does love the church. He did, yes, because he gave himself for her. Right, right. But he's continuing to work in us, and he's continuing to, to sanctify us, and he's continuing to set us apart. He's continuing to love us. I mean, the standard doesn't change for us. There's no, like, oh, I wonder what the standard should be. For you women, the reality is, can I, in a, I might have mentioned it last week. If I didn't, I meant to. The, the sad part is that in a lot of marriages... The woman does represent, does look like, the submission of the church to Christ today. What you need to do is to submit like the church is supposed to submit to Christ, not like the church is submitting to Christ. Because I venture to tell you, to say, I believe that there's a struggle just in the church, just as it was in Israel. The church has paralleled Israel and how it has turned away from its husband, from its God. And we're bringing in idols into the temple. And we don't see it. So ladies, I'm not picking on you. I'm pick, I pick more on the guys, because if we ended last week and you're in question and answer time, right? It's easy for the woman to submit when the guy is what? Loving. And I'm supposed to love you like Christ loved the church, right? I'm supposed to love her, not you all. But anyways, but you too, okay? So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? And then we're told by John, right? We love him because 
he first loved us. So that illustrative importance, I know maybe it's like I'm spending time on it, but it's important. It's just, if, if nothing else is gleaned as we come through this stuff, is to understand we represent Christ in all things. In all things. Then the imperative instruction that we just went over. Husbands, love your wives. Love, 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 love. Women, submit. And then respect slash honor. But the real word in the Greek was, what was it? Fear. Phobos. Fear. Okay? And now it doesn't mean you've got to be shaking at it, because we again saw in John that perfect love casts out fear. So guys... If you're really loving them like Christ of the church, there's no reason for them to what? Fear. But if you're loving them like the world, and what we talked about with Jesus, and Jesus talked about how the, the rulers of the Gentile lorded over them, then there is a, a reason for them to what? Fear. Because they don't know what's going to come next. So put that in your brain, because this is this next section we're going to go into. So, okay. Because we're going to talk about our parental relationships. Now it starts off in verse 1 children so kids so kids wait look at me kids put down your coloring pencils okay i thought about actually having nobody sit in the first two rows and having all the kids come up and having like the children's message time okay okay yeah amen yeah yeah, yeah amen. i'll see you do it okay so put down your put down your coloring pencils put down your put down your mark unless you got a sermon note sheet and you're taking notes okay so this first part is to you kids okay and there's not very many of you, so I'm going to pick on all of you. You listening to me? Yeah? Glenn's got that, that spot where, put him down so I can step on his feet. Urgh. Okay, so this is to you kids. Okay, so this is not to your moms and dads. This is to you kids. How cool is that, right? I mean, you get a spot where it's talking to you. Now, as I say that, this is to your dads and moms too. This is to the adults as well. Because we are to be honoring our parents as well. Okay, kids, you ready for this? You know this, right? Children, what? Say it real loud. Oh, only one of them know it. Mark, you need to work on the rest of those too. Okay. So, all right, all you kids, not the older kids, but even teenagers, your kids. Hey, you're good. No, you're drawing. Take notes. No, you never know when he's coming down the aisle at you. Okay. All right. So you guys are kids too. Okay. All right. So all together, children, what? You're come on, you teenagers, your kids too. You're not out of the house yet. You got to say, it. come on, children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, not left, but right. Okay, so anyways, we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay, so children, first of all, we're talking to kids, right? Isn't that kind of cool that Paul didn't leave kids out of this? He didn't leave kids out of this. Walking worthy, kiddos, walking worthy, reflecting Jesus, is even for you guys. I know, a lot of times you can come in here and say, oh, he's talking to the adults, he's all this kind of stuff. But Paul's talking to you too. And he wants to, you guys to know that this is applicable to you all. Okay? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, we want to break that down, okay? So, you're to obey your parents. Why is it important? Now, we're not going to read all this passage from Romans 1, okay? But, so, some of you older kids, so not the adult kids, but probably teenager kind of kids, okay? Does anybody remember what Romans 1 is about from 18 to 32? And we started, you know. What do you think it's about? 
No. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Does that help anybody? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all... Good job, kid. <laughs> no, you're good, Steve. That's okay. All in God in us, okay? Why? What did they do that caused the wrath of God to come upon them? Any kids remember? Romans 1, teenagers, kids. You're still, you're, you're more of an adult. Do you remember? They turned from worshiping God as the creator, and they began to worship creatures, animals. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's evolution. It talks about evolution right in it. That they started to, 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 to give credence to, to the nature as doing the, rather than God himself. And they were told, so listen to this, we're told that God handed us over and said, you want to be God? You can be God. You can make all your own decisions. That's what it says in Romans chapter 1. God handed us over to our own lasciviousness. And then we started to do bad stuff. People start to do bad stuff. And do you know one of the bad things that's talked about in all the, that whole list of all the evil that these people do? Do you know what one of them is? They were disobedient to their parents. When you are disobedient to your moms and dads, you're acting just like the sinful people of the world, the ones who reject God. When you disobey your mom and dad, you're actually disobeying God. And you're acting like God's not going to hold you accountable. So you guys remember that. You little guys remember that, okay? It's easy to, to, to remember that, okay? And so when you disobey your mom and dad, you're ultimately disobeying God. Because God told you to do this. Well, the other passage I want to kind of quick mention is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Okay? And that talks about the end times. And it talks about what the end times are going to, what's it going to look like in the last days? What's it going to look like in the end times? And do you know what it says there? Children are going to be disobedient to their parents. Hmm. Isn't that something? And what do we see? Everybody, right? What do we see going on out there in the world? Okay? We got to see a lot of people. I remember we were up in Cleveland, Georgia for a family camp many, many, many years ago. Okay? When we went to a family family camps up there and we stopped at mcdonald's and we had our uh our parade of kids with us in um and so you know we go into mcdonald's and you're allowed two things off the dollar menu you know anyways um and so anyways but we're sitting there with the whole section filled up right and a woman came by and said are all those your kids and i said yes ma'am she said i don't think people did that anymore Now, I'm not telling you this is how you should answer. But I said, it's because they don't know how to discipline their kids anymore. She just looked at me and went, huh, and walked away. <laughs> Anyways, don't make the statement if you don't want a response. Anyways, but it's the truth. I don't know how many times I have people, you got seven? I can't even handle one. Kiddos, kiddos, you make it a whole lot easier for your mom and dad when you obey. They don't really want to spank you. I promise you, they don't want to send you to the room. They don't want you to, to lose your special times. They're, they really aren't ogres. I know sometimes they seem to beg, but they're not. I am, but they're not. No, anyways, <laughs> remember that Wednesday nights. Anyways, so 
they really don't want to do that to you. You make life a whole lot easier when you obey, right? So it's important to do that. So what's the qualification, though? In the Lord. Now, this is kind of do adults a little bit of care because this is kind of a weird thing. I went over and over and over and over and over this, okay? Because I know what I wanted to say, right? That obey in the Lord, your parents. That's why we read, we read it. That's how we understand it. It's not what it says. It says obey your parents who are in the Lord. There's three ways to think about this, okay? So I'm not trying to qualify your kids' obedience, Okay? But to, to obey the parents who are being submissive to the Lord. They're in the Lord, your parents who are in the Lord. It could talk about spiritual parents, you know, like in, in churches where you, you kind of have you, the ones who have led you to the Lord. And it could be talking about your parents who are in the Lord. Or it can be talking about just believing parents as a whole, okay? So, but the reality is don't, don't, do not disengage that term. So, when we get to dads, remember that. Because, again, you make obedience for your kids a whole lot more easier when you're in the Lord. Make sense? But when you're in your flesh, I promise you, my kids can tell you the difference between obeying a dad who's in, a, in the Lord and a dad who's in his flesh. Does that make sense? When Bob's in his flesh, when dad's in the flesh, he's not a great guy. Okay? So hopefully that's changing as a granddad and you get softer and you get, you know, wiser and all that kind of stuff, you know. But I remember my younger years, you know, and not making wise decisions in the discipline of my kids, okay? So obey your parents in the Lord, okay? Why? Because it's right. Actually, because it's righteous. The word is the chaos. It's righteous. Kiddos, wait, don't stop writing yet. Or don't start going, getting away yet. What does it mean to be right? Do any of you remember that? We've talked about this a lot. Righteous. Yeah, what does it mean to be righteous? What is righteousness? Good. That which is right. Teenagers, help them. No, not, not teenagers. I'll go teenagers, not older people. Okay. Good. Thanks, you, Kaylee Rain. Exactly. That which is right. In the eyes of God, okay? So, when it's right, we're talking about it's being right in the eyes of God. This is important because this isn't a matter of being right in the eyes of the world. This is something that's right in the eyes of God. So, kids, I want you to think to yourself right now. Do you want to please God? I'm not saying to you... Thank you. And I saw nods. I'm not asking, do you want to please your mom and dad? Do you want to please God? If the answer is yes, I want to please God in deep down inside here. I want to please God. I want to please God. Way down in here. It's screaming out. I want it. It wants out. I want to please God. Well, you know the best way to do it? Obey your mom and dad. But that's kind of rough because we're also, old man, your kid's got the old man and the new man thing going on, right? There's a battle going on. And that flesh wants to what? Wants to serve itself. So they may want to please God, but they're still wanting to please themselves. They have the same battles you guys have. I thought about it. So many lessons learned when you're parenting, you know? And so my father says to me as I'm talking to my kids, so what about you, Bob? <laughs> Lord, don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, well, so many lessons. Like, you know, how can I have a double standard? I'm going to hold my kids to a standard, but I'm not going to have to live to the standard myself. No, that's not the case. 
It's all the same. So kiddos, okay? Obey because it's right before God. And then it gives us two illustrations. So, so hang with me just a little bit more time here because you kids know these illustrations, okay? This is about the word obedience. What does obedience mean, okay? So it's the, the Greek word, hupokuo. Literally, hupokuo means under the hearing of, okay? You hear something and you do it. You say, but what does that mean? So this is kind of cool. I didn't choose it for this reason. And I thought that I had duplicated my, my reference when I did this. Because it's the exact same thing, 8, 23 to 27, but it's Matthew and then Mark. And I was like, what? wait, wait, I had to go back and I had to check it three times. I was like, I can't be, but it is. So Matthew 8, 23 to 27, is about the time when Jesus is out on the, on the, on the, on the, in a boat on, on the, in the ocean. And the storm came up. And Jesus is what? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. There's a storm, and all these guys who've been out on the on the in the in the lake in the on the, on the sea all this time, they they should be ready for this, but they're not ready for this. This is a big big storm. Jesus is kind of chilling out. He's sleeping in the boat, and they go and they wake him up, and they say, "Does any you kids remember? What do they say to him? Shh. You may feel like a child. I feel like a child. <laughs> what does he say?" Well, they don't say what's happening. Come on, you older kids, come on. What does he say to them? Or what do they say to him? Lord, don't you care that we are? We're perishing. We're sinking. We're, we're perishing. Don't you care that we're, we're perishing? Jesus wakes up. Like, could you imagine? I mean, that's part of the man's side, right? He wakes up and he's kind of, oh, man, you guys, I was having a really good dream, you know? And, and so he wakes up and he looks around, right? And he says to them, first words, oh, ye of little faith right and then the next words come out of his mouth when he after he looks around he sees the waves he sees the storm happening and he says what be still and what happens immediately what happens the water was calm the 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 winds were calm everything was calm and the disciples say who can this be that even the winds and the waves obey him. So there, what did obedience look like? When, when God, Jesus, on earth, said to the winds and the waves, be still, what happened? How long did it take? Instant. Instant obedience. Jesus didn't have to say, one I'm telling you, you need to be still. Two. Now, if you don't be still, I'm coming after you. Don't make me do it now. Two and a half. Two and three quarter. Two and seven eighths. He said it. Boom. The second one. Even the unclean spirits obey him. The same thing. Jesus spoke to the the demons. And the demons Bam! Came out. They didn't debate him. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Let, let's talk about this, Jesus. I mean, you know, I know there's a plan. I know there's a process. I know that it didn't happen that way. Jesus said, come out. And even the ones who were totally opposed to him, what? Obeyed. Big kids. That's obedience, right? I'm talking to us big kids. And that's what Jesus, 
father was banging on me all the time when I want my instant obedience from my kids. Because that's what obedience is, right? So mom and dad says, go clean your room. It's not, I'll do that in a few minutes. I want to finish this first. They say, go clean the room. What should you do? Go clean the room. If you have, so let me, let me add something. This is not biblical. This is kind of like Paul in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, this is from me and not of the Lord, okay? Mom and dad, give them a chance to have some way of communicating respectfully to you, okay? So can I pick on you? So we taught our kids just to put their hands on, come and, and touch our arm, to appeal to our authority. To appeal to our authority. I recognize that you're authority. I recognize I need to do this. But may I present you with some information that you may not know. So I'll, I'll pick on... Uh, she, Gabrielle's gone. She, I'll pick on Gabrielle. <laughs> she can come back in me. Gabrielle, go clean it. Go, go take the, the, the dumpsters up to the, to the road. What new information do you have for me? Those dumpsters are stinky. Sorry, not new information. Get the dumpsters of the road. And don't waste that opportunity again because you may lose the opportunity to appeal to my authority. Okay. What new information do you have me? The dumpsters are already taken up. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Or mom has already asked me to take out the rest of the trash. And so I'd rather do the rest of the trash before I take the dumpster of the road. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so it's presented respectfully. But if I don't have that information, what do I need to do? Obey instantly. That's exactly right. Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Secondly, you to honor them. To honor them. Now, the way you can honor them the most is by obeying them, okay? And so we see that from the book of Proverbs, and so I'm not going to read all those. But it says, a wise son heeds his father's instruction. He gives him honor. But the, the passage is underlined, okay? You older kids... You get this one, because Jesus wasn't talking to little kids in Matthew 15, 4 to 6. He was talking to adults. And how they were breaking the law by, by saying that they were honoring their parents. They were declaring what they had as korban, as something that is an offering to the Lord, in order that they didn't have to take care of their parents. And Jesus said they were breaking the law. So older kids... My age, older kids, and a little bit younger, you get it, okay? I still have the command to honor my mother and my father. Right now, it's a battle for us. Trying to, you know, we're, they live in Pittsburgh. I'm down here to try to figure out times when I can go back to Pittsburgh, and so I can minister to him, while I can take care of him. He's my dad. It's my mom. Does that make sense? And so, to to understand that there is this command, it's a command for me. Now, I understand that I'm a distance away. I can still honor them. And when we get together, okay, and when we talk on the phone, and I've got to be careful of that because, again, when I first got saved, okay, and I'm starting to learn the word, and I don't, at that point, believe that my dad necessarily understood all that and thought from that direction, right? Then it was easy for me to what? Dishonor my dad. Thinking that I had what? Greater wisdom. But the command was what? to honor my father and my mother. And I had to figure out ways to do that. You can make extrapolations from there. Okay. To the dads, to fathers. First of all, the negative part of the command. 
Okay, not negative, but it's the do nots, right? Do not cause them to come to wrath. And literally, that's it, anger. It's extreme anger. Do not cause your kids to come to extreme anger. I'm here as a witness that how you can do that. Okay? I mean, if you, if dads, it's a t- especially with your sons, right? For your daughters, it's a little bit one thing, but you can get kind of frustrated when they do the, 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 the meltdown moments, right? Because they're girls and, and whatever. But for guys, we have the testosterone moments, right? Where, you, you, dude, this is my house. It's not yours. It's my wife. She's not yours, okay? And, and I'm the one who's going to make the decisions in this house. It's not going to be yours. You don't make the plans. This is how it plays out. I, can only, I say all these things because there's no temptations overtaken you, but such is common to man. And every one of you guys are sitting there going, I get it, okay? And there's this battle moment that goes on, okay, if, when your son begins to be the man, okay? And sometimes they choose to be the man a little bit earlier than other times, okay? And, 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 and you can do this nuclear warfare moment, okay, where it just kind of escalates, you know? And, and then all of a sudden you're going back, hopefully you go back, and you apologize for using your words wrong or using your hands wrong because you shouldn't have done that. Hopefully you never had to apologize. But again, there's no temptations overtaking me, but it's just coming to man. And I know most of you guys have probably at some point used your words wrongfully to your children or used your hands wrongfully to your children, okay? It's okay. Sin is sin is sin. Do you get it? Okay? So, but as a dad, my goal is to be Christ-like in all things. I want to treat them with the love of Christ. But I blow it. And so Bob had to learn to tell the kids, go to the room, and I'll be there shortly. But I've got to take care of my own flesh first. Because it's going to be a, 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 it's going to be an ucky experience if I don't. And I could bring him to wrath by, by not having the same standard. If you don't have a consistent standard, something happens to this person and you, and you treat them with favoritism. The others are going to get, become wrathful. So dads, he doesn't give us the illustrations of how this plays out, but he tells us right off the bat. Why? Because we can do this. To test their own moments, we can do this. Don't bring your children to wrath. Rather, rather, so put off that part, put on this part, right? And that is to train them. Have it as your goal that you are training them. And this is the part that I've talked about where I said that most people in the world today don't discipline their children. I don't mean spanking them. I'm talking about training them. The, the root word for discipline is the word disciple. You disciple. Discipline is just teaching. And so we're told by doing this to train them, first of all, is the word to nurture them. We take this term nurture as the positive soft part. It's not. It's the word paideia, okay? And paideia literally is the, the word that is used in paideo, is the word used in Hebrews 12 talking about chastening, that the Lord chastens the ones whom he loves, okay? The idea of this word is to train them, is to, to guide them. And so discipline isn't... We, neg- we, we become wrong in that we only use the concept of discipline when we're spanking. But discipline is a positive. You reward. You encourage. You support. That's all that. And you teach them. You train them. You equip them how to do that. Now, we're getting ready to go to, go to the raise house, honey. Okay? And, and, you know, 
I don't remember if you guys take off shoes or not. But when we go into the Gray's house, they don't wear shoes in their house. I'm, I, don't, I can't remember, so don't put this there, okay? So when we get there, we're going to make sure that we what? We take off our shoes at the door because we're going to respect them. We're going we're to respect how they do things in their house. So before you get to the place, you're what? You're training them, preparing them. You're training them. You're equipping them. You're, you're, you're getting them ready for the moment. Now, when you get there, and, and, and you say, okay, remember to take off your shoes. I don't want to take off my shoes. Now, all of a sudden, we have a different, different discipline moment, don't we? Okay? Okay? Because now we've got to go the other route. You know, I try to help you out on the good part, you know? Or you know, when they take off their shoes and they go in, you say, what? Good job. Good remembrance. Okay? And then you just, little, little bit thing, it's, it goes on. Greatest illustration for me, maybe a warped illustration for you. Do you remember the movie, Babe? The pig, right? He goes through all the way around, right? Gets, separates the sheep, comes over, sits at Donald Sutherland's feet, and Donald Sutherland looks down and says what? Not even good pig. That'll do, pig. That'll do. And pig goes what? <laughs> Your kids would love to have a positive comment from you. Positive reinforcement, positive training is huge. Okay? So padea is just training. It's, it's training, it's positive, it can be negative, but it's training. The other word, admonition, nuthesia, is putting it in the mind. So nuthetic counseling okay, is a type of counseling where you use the word of God and you put the word of God into somebody's mind and it brings conviction. Okay? It doesn't necessarily mean to rebuke them, it just means to give them new information, okay? to put a proper standing, if you would, in their mind. Okay, so you're training them, you're teaching them, you're equipping them. But when things get a little bit off base, and what are you doing? You're retraining, you're re-equipping, you're bringing them back to the standard. Okay, you're letting them know that. Whose job is it? Whose job is it to do that? Come on, guys. Whose job is it to do that? One, two, three. The father's. It's not the mother's job. It doesn't say in you mothers. It says you fathers. Do you want to know why? Again, there's the attack on the divorce and all this kind of stuff, and you know mothers can have the family. No, they can't. It's part of God's plan. The father is important. And we fail. I've failed. But I understand my role. And I want to please God. I've got to move on. All right. Occupational relationships. Don't have a lot on this other than there, okay? Bond slaves, that's employees, okay? You say, I'm not a bond slave. Yeah, fine, that's fine. Say you're not a bond slave. Quit whenever you want to quit. You can. In this this country, you can do that, right? But then you're going to go do what? You're going to go find somebody else to be bond slave to because you still need what? Money. Unless you're on the second part when we get there, right? You're the master. So bond slaves, in a nutshell, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Again, obey your earthly masters. Do you know what? It's the exact same word as to the child. It's hubokuo. It doesn't mean debate it. It means do it. So you're supposed to do it with fear and trembling. You're supposed to do it with sincerity of heart. The word aplates is to be without any plies. So think plywood. Okay? There's layers. So the idea here is simplicity. There's no, no layering. You know how it is sometimes? You know, you, you, you're, you're standing up, but you're sitting down on the inside. 
kind of stuff. Make sense? That you're going to do what they tell you to do, but you're going to undermine them all the rest of the way and talk bad about them. There's no plies. Sincerity, simplicity of the heart, right? So what does that look like? Well, you're going to do it from the heart, not with eye service. You're not worrying about when they only see it. You're going to do it because you know that it's what, children? It's right. See how that happens? You train your child to do what's right. When you get older, you're going to be you. You get what I'm saying? And then you obey your authorities because it is right. Isn't that kind of an instance thing, you know? It's how we equip our kids. It's how we're going to act as adults. You kind of see that in the culture? You're going to do it as to the Lord, not to men. Why? Because ultimately you know you're serving God. This is what it looks like. This is how walking worthy looks like in your, in your job's place, right? You're going to look to the future reward, not focus on the now. How many people want to be recognized and rewarded now? Look, now can only last till maybe 15 minutes from now. Maybe even 30 seconds from now. And now it's gone. Now I've got eternity. Jesus told you to lay up treasures where? In heaven. Not here. But we're more worried about laying up treasures where? Here. I mean, how many times I talk to people and they're frustrated about the here and now. Look, the here and now is going to be gone at some point. I don't know whether the here and now is going to be gone in 15 seconds or in, in 150 years for you, but the reality is now is gone. And eternity is going to last for eternity. <laughs> kind of makes sense to me. So why am I worrying about something I'm only going to have for a very short while? To the masters, owners, managers, serve your servants. Do the same things to them as is expected of them to do to you. So you shouldn't be serving them. Serving them? They're my employees. No. They're ones that God has gifted to you for you to serve. Remember servant leadership, what we talked about last week with the, with the husbands. God has called us to servant leadership. How much do you want to be paid? If you were in that job, you ought to be paying them that. Well, that's not fair. Well, yeah, it is fair. You just want to become greedy and you want more. That's the problem. Greediness. Greediness, greediness, greediness. So when I ran my company, I wanted to pay my, I wanted to pay not just my boys, but anybody who worked for me in such a way that they wanted to work for me. Does that make sense? I don't want them to look around for another job because they're not going to get another job where they're going to get paid anymore. But when they work for me, I want them to work for me. Because I ain't going to pay them to sit around and smoke a cigarette. I'm going to pay them to work. So if you want to work, I'll pay you really good. But you're going to work. And I have people who want to work for me. Because I'm going to treat them right. I want to treat them like I want to be treated if I was them. I hate this fact that people got to work two, three, four jobs. Husband and wife both got to work. Now, it may be their fault for trying to live higher than their standards, but there's a lot of people who, even lower the lower standards, can't do it. Why? Because of greediness of man. It ought not to be so for a Christian business. Christian, Christian business, one who's owned by a, a believer, ought to be a model to the to the, to the nation. Sadly, it's not. Sadly, we have absorbed, we have taken the standards of the world and have brought them in. So, being free from threatening. Don't threaten your employees. Put out standards. This is what is expected of you. I don't threat. 
I'm not going to threaten you. This is what I expect. If you don't do it right, you're going to be gone. It's all plays out. I had some, two guys. I had a big job, door job, replacing all the doors in this house. It's 20-something doors. Instead of measuring... I, I've changed the way I did things now. I, now I don't just replace doors. I'd replace the whole jams and everything. We take everything out. But we were replacing just doors. They decided to cut all the doors at one time. I lost five hundred something dollars that day. I didn't charge it to them though. The owner ate the the owner ate the loss. They made it go buy new doors. But we had a serious conversation <laughs> about standards and about what you do when you're replacing doors and how you measure one at a time even though it takes longer. But that's okay. I'm paying you to do this. It's really okay. I'm losing money by having it take longer for you to do this job because I want it done right. And now I'm losing a whole lot of money because you didn't do it right but I'm not going to threaten. I'm going to communicate the standard. We're going back in there. We're going to do this. You blow it this time, you're on the street. You're looking for a new job. Does that make sense? No threats. You hold to a standard. You expect obedience. Okay? Having been made aware of your master with whom there's no partiality, when I get to heaven, What's he going to judge me based on? When I get to heaven, what's he going to be judging me on? His standard. His expectations. Do they change? Do they change? Are they, are they different every day? No. They're the same all the time. I know what they are. I know what I can expect. That's what my employees should expect. But I better expect that too. <laughs> that God doesn't have a different standard for my employee and for me. And there's no partiality. And if you're sitting there saying, yeah, but I'm a child of God and I, don't, I know I don't have to go to hell. I promise you, for 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when Paul says that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, I persuade men. Paul understood what fearing God meant and that he was going to give an account. Even though he wasn't worrying about whether he was going to heaven or not, he knew he was going to heaven, but he also knew he was going to give an account. And he did not want to stand in front of his God with a bad report. Again, I want to hear the well done, my good and faithful servant, in every realm of my life. So kids, kids, back to you. Are you walking worthy of the calling with which you were called? Are you honoring your mom and dad? Are you honoring your parents? Fathers, are you walking worthy of the calling with which you were called? Are you self-sacrificingly leading in the training of your children? Are you glorifying God in the training of your children? Again, if it sounds like I'm picking on you guys. You're right, I am. It's, I'm looking in the mirror. I'm picking on me. Okay? You have, you have a, such a privilege as a man to be influential. Don't blow it. Employees, are you serving Christ or man? Are you serving Christ yourself? And owners, are you treating your employees as you would want to be treated yourself? Is there then a need to change the way you think and change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. I'm grateful for the privilege that you've given us to represent you in so many realms, Lord. Help us. Help us to be husbands and wives that honor you. 
Help us to be children and parents that honor you. Help us to be employees and owners who honor you. Lord, that the world would see the difference and that you would receive the glory. In Christ's name, amen.